0: And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting.
1: Hi again, listeners. It's Esther Gallagher. Uh, Sarah's not with us for this podcast, sadly, but uh, she will be on the next one, I'll bet you. Um, I'm here today with Z and Jeanette from Our Family Coalition. And we'll be talking about... Um, their uh, involvement with this wonderful organization and um, how it serves the, them and their community. But I'd like to start off by reminding you all that we have the option for you to subscribe to us. We have a newsletter, fourth trimesterpodcast.com. You can go and get this information. You can uh, friend us on Facebook and all that other crazy social media stuff. And you can also go to our Patreon page and help sponsor us. <laughs> Sarah and I do all of this out of our own pockets and hearts and we're thrilled to be able to do that, but um there are some costs that we're not going to be able to sustain for long. So anyway, hope you're all having a great day and I'm going to have our wonderful guests reintroduce themselves and tell us a little bit about who they are and really spark your curiosity about some stuff that I feel uh, is super important and I'm so thrilled to have them on the podcast today. So Zee, why don't we start with you? Tell us your story about becoming a mom and your community and how you were led to OFC.
2: Sure. I'm Z Wen, and I am a mother of two. I have a toddler who's a little bit over two years old, and a four-month-old. So, that's pretty new. I'm a—I identify as a queer. Um, we identify as a queer family. So, my wife and I got married in 2013, but we've been together. May this month actually will be um, eight years.
0: Congratulations! Together. Thank you,
2: and. Before meeting her, I didn't really sort of have a idea of wanting a family or baby. So it's definitely um, wrapped up in falling in love with um, with my wife. So we always knew um, part of the falling in love with each other was sort of this vision of um, having a family together. And um, it took us a few years to sort of get into the right place with our um our careers and our relationship. Um, and then when we went down this road, you know, we had to really figure it out. So as a queer couple, it, you know, it's a sort of, it's a very different process um, than it may be for um, straight couples. Um, we had to figure out where do we get the sperm? Who's going to carry it? How are we going to do this? How are we going to pay for this? Um, and, and then, you know, sort of as we went down the path, it was a lot of other questions sort of came up, like what, um, what does family look like for us um, as a queer couple? And um, as, as a f- two people who want to raise our family in a very, very um, expensive town like San Francisco, where we don't have any uh, blood relatives around, Um, and I, I grew up with, my mom has 10 brothers and sisters, so I had a lot of cousins and I grew up where multiple families lived in one house. Um, so that was definitely something I thought family was supposed to be as, so going from that to a very nuclear family was, um, imagining that was hard. So we had a, a lot to figure out. Um, so, you know, I hope... I can sort of go in a little bit more detail about that today, um, but maybe Jeanette, <laughs> you can introduce yourself first. Okay,
3: <laughs> great, sure. Um, so, I'm Jeanette Page, I'm a family programs coordinator at our family coalition, um, and our family coalition is a nonprofit organization. We're located in San Francisco, but we do events and programs and work throughout the Bay, and also do policy work throughout the state, if not sometimes nationally. Um, My work is really around um, working directly with LGBTQ parents and their kids. And so I help coordinate um, parent-child playgroups, support groups, parenting classes, Um, And we also plan some really fun, larger events. We do um, Pride events, which are we're kind of in the midst of planning right now, so that's where my head is. (laughs) Um, And personally, I came to OFC um, really randomly. So I've been on staff about a year, and um, prior to that, I was working for about 10 years doing sexual assault prevention work um, and was feeling like I needed a change. Um, I, I personally identify as queer. Um, and so when I sort of stumbled upon our family coalition, I was like, wow, that's so cool. I've never seen anything that does that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen an LGBT organization that actually focuses on families, mm-hmm. um, queer families. Um, and, So when I saw the job posting, I was like, wow, I want to work here. I want to be involved in this. Um, And it's actually, it allowed me to connect uh, different pieces of my personal and professional work experience all in one position. Mm -hmm. So working directly with people, doing direct service, um, doing social justice related work, because working with queer and trans people means... Uh, we have to engage with social justice, and we have to engage with um, anti-oppression work. Um, and I grew up in a home that was uh, daycare run out of our house, so <laughs> I—that's handy. <laughs> so I've actually been able to go back to my mom a lot with this job and say, "How did you deal with parents in this situation? Or how did you set up your you know childcare space?" Um, so it's it's been really fun and interesting to me to be able to put all of that together and to get to work in a cool place like mm-hmm. our family coalition and one of his awesome families, like Z's family.
2: You guys I are a godsend <laughs> in terms of family supports.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so great. Maybe if you don't mind talking a little bit more about when you and your wife are actually ready to go out and find sperm because you had to do that right mm-hmm. that process insemination was part of the process mm-hmm. these are all details that i think you know hetero couples never have to think about until unless and until they have fertility issues right mm-hmm. right and so uh or so-called fertility issues like that's a mm-hmm. whole nother ball of wax but um so Maybe you can talk both about um, maybe your journey a little bit, and then how our family coalition may have been able to offer um, support, or maybe even there was a a, a, um, a way that you came to our family to further and broaden the ways in which they could do their work. So I know you're involved in the organization directly. And so uh, that's kind of a wide open question.
2: <laughs> Sorry. we will try to answer all parts. Okay, great. Um, yeah, you know, as a queer family, we have... Um, it's sort of, I see it as a burden and a luxury. The the luxury to really create, be intentional in creating our family because we can't just, whoops, yeah. you know, <laughs> accidentally have a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of intention um, to to create our family. So I, I find that that, I think that's a really good thing. So we have, you know, as queer families, we have to, we really have to be ready and want to be parents. Um, and the burden part then is like it's the actual creation and going through that process. So, for me and my wife, we I had this very um, specific idea that of this queer family structure. So we have no, you know, male counterpart because we're not in a heterosexual relationship. Um, and so we could have chosen, to just go to a sperm bank. And I think that's mm-hmm. sort of the, the, um, often when people think about, you know, two women having children or, or, you know, we go to a sperm bank and it's that image of Ellen, <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of <laughs> right. with that box and yeah.
1: was yeah. that movie, <laughs> um,
2: if these walls could talk
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, and well, not that, but that you just do that right that is somehow simple right mm-hmm. and it's not and it's even not. that is
2: i mean sperm's expensive right mm-hmm. i mean i don't know how much it is now but you know i was i think we were paying almost 900 dollars a pop and that's for one vial one shot to to try it and mm-hmm. if it doesn't work that one month then you gotta do it again the next month mm-hmm. um and actually we didn't we didn't end up doing that um or we didn't at first want to do sort of the sperm bank um, and getting our sperm that way. We actually wanted um, to meet somebody who would be sort of part of our family. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily rights and things like that, but more like um, in the queer community, we call them like a, a dunkle, a donor uncle. <laughs> um, so we wanted something like that, a dunkle. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted my children to have some sort of male figure in our lives. I didn't want to sort of erase that completely. And when questions came up of like, you know, on the play yard, like, you know, you have two moms, but where's your dad? Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted them to be able to say, you know, I don't have a a dad, a father, but, you know, I have my uncles or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and plus I knew that creating a family required more than just a mom, a dad, or two moms or two dads, um, that it is, it takes, it really takes a village to build a family Mm -hmm. and to survive (laughs) as a family um and so i loved and again i came from um a family with a lot of people a lot, aunts and uncles and cousins and you know i was somebody was always picking me up from school it wasn't always my mom she always worked or you know i would hang out at this person's house or that person's house or we shared the responsibility of the children or they shared the responsibility of the children together and so that's what i always imagined and so that's what i wanted i wanted something that was a um, less conventional structure of the nuclear family. Mm -hmm. Um, because I knew like, it's really, it's hard work. I watched my mom do it. And and for a big chunk of it, she was a single mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, we tried, I mean, we tried, um, a couple you know, a friend Um, And it didn't, we didn't actually, we tried approaching a friend um, and it didn't work out. I mean, it was a very, it's a huge responsibility and I appreciate our friend for um, really taking the time to think it through and saying like, I don't know if I'm ready for that responsibility. Um, I would have loved, you know, um, our family coalition does a egg meets sperm Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that wasn't around then i mean this was only three years ago or i didn't know about it then Mm -hmm. um and that was that would have been it's an event a mixer where um it's exactly how it sounds right like (laughs) women and men and everything everybody in between who might want to be looking to create a family Mm -hmm. in a different kind of structure because it Mm -hmm. isn't always like a coupled, whether that's again, straight couple, gay couple, or queer couple situation. Um, I would have, you know, definitely sort of checked that out to see whether it worked out. But so our, our sort of friends choice. And as we went down the, that road together, it didn't work out for us. Um, but we know a lot of families where it does work out, where there's a friend who donates, um, and then is part of the the kid's life as, as the child grows up. Um, we randomly we needed a plan b as we were waiting for our friends to to think about whether to be the donor um and so we just did a random search and the first person we found happens to have the same ethnic background as my wife Mm -hmm. um half white and half italian half half asian um and it was just like the person just he had the same birthday and birth and, yeah, as birth month and That's birth amazing. year as her. His dad was a special ed teacher. I'm a special ed teacher, so it was like these little weird things. We're like, oh, this is the guy, <laughs> and we were like, this. We called him Plan B. Like, <laughs> Not nice. Plan B.
1: Um,
2: and then Plan B just ended up being Plan A, and it was it's great. I mean, we have two beautiful, beautiful children um i was really really lucky um we both what we're both civil servants as a teacher and my wife is a police officer so um our insurance covered it being in the bay area um they covered the insemination um which would have cost like two or three thousand dollars per try it mm-hmm. took us four tries with our first child mm-hmm. um and then i was really lucky with the second one just one try um And we just had to pay for the sperm. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have so many, so many friends who had to go through also so so many different rounds. IV, multiple rounds of IVF, donor sperm, donor eggs, um, you know, friends who just used other friends Mm -hmm. at home Mm -hmm. inseminations, in-house inseminations, Mm -hmm. midwife inseminations. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many different ways to make a family yeah Yeah. so many different ways to make a family
1: i'm so happy you're naming you know just listing all those ways because i think honestly you know the average person out there who might be right in the thick of the same issues you Mm -hmm. had three years ago Mm -hmm. or how old is your daughter your older she's a little bit over two yeah yeah you know um they'd be starting from zero they would maybe have no idea of the options Mm -hmm. so if they knew of one thing, they would head in that direction. But, gosh, hearing that there's such a thing as midwifery, you know, midwife insemination mm-hmm. might really appeal to them. Or
2: and its, actually, and, it's cheaper than than yeah. going to Kaiser. Like we went to Kaiser. Yeah. And had a doctor do the insemination, but yeah.
1: And Kaiser's probably cheap. Yeah. <laughs> compared, you know, right. I mean, compared mm-hmm. to so many other yeah. possibilities, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, um thank you for for making that list. Um years ago, um uh, when I first moved here and was doing postpartum care through uh, a little woman-owned agency called the Fourth Trimester, <laughs> which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but was really wonderful. I'm so happy I sort of had my my beginning beginning years of of being a postpartum doula. With them because they were so supportive in, in many ways, but I I expressed as you know a particular interest with the owners that uh, whenever there was an opportunity to go to any kind of offering out in the world here in San Francisco that was directed um, about helping uh, LGBTQ uh, folks make family that I would really like to go, mm-hmm. learn, and perhaps support, you know, uh, represent the fourth trimester, and um, gosh, I, I just feel so lucky. I mean, I live right down the street from the women's building, and mm-hmm. the events were always there, so it was really convenient, but, um, but there's just, you know, so much of what you're talking about now has been evolving over those many years. I mean, that was 25 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So... The insemination of so many (laughs) things you're talking about really started a long time ago, but as I say about so many things having to do with family making, each time somebody decides they want to have a child or gets pregnant as it were, it's as though they have to reinvent the wheel Mm -hmm. because somehow when it comes to making family in this culture, it's not something we all know all about. Mm -hmm. it's as though we're kept in the dark until we you know have to do it and then we have to figure out how you know Mm -hmm. um and so i'm always thrilled when these sorts of resources can be more widely (laughs) kind of broadcast and people can can learn about them that they do exist Mm -hmm. you don't have to start from scratch um you know there are entities that will help you navigate a little bit when it comes to all this that's really wonderful that you're mentioning that. Um,
2: yeah, and the blessing of things like technology, like podcasts and social media is like being able to connect with other people who are going through mm-hmm. the things that you're going through. I mean, I, so part of our story is, is, um, as we were trying to figure out this whole process, we joined a group called baby buds, um, which is was a mostly queer conception group. So it was like a conception support group. Brilliant. Um, We learned, and it was just random. I was friends with a woman who was friends with another woman and connected (laughs) us through Facebook. And then we, you know, they... They, um, knew the founder of the baby Buds sort of group. And I think we were baby buds six or something. So we were like the sixth sort of group to come together. Um, and that was a huge, that was a model of support that I had never seen before. And I, you know, I think they tried to do a baby bud seven. I mean, I really hope that
1: they can sort of do Keep I'll see if I can track like them that. down to, for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That right. we would love to have some, some um, folks like that.
2: And yeah, we were, I think there was a, I can't, I, I want to say maybe there were six or seven of us. Um, it started bigger and then sort of some, some of it whittled down and then it was just sort of a core group. But even as we were a bigger group, all of us were in sort of some, some of these places of, of conception, right? Mm-hmm. Of figuring out conception. And there was so much collective knowledge in the room mm-hmm. um, that it was just beautiful this mm-hmm. is it's exactly what we needed to do as a society right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if if our society wasn't the way that it was it was more sort of you know
3: I don't know
2: before sort do of civilization one. times um, we would be our mothers and our fathers and you know everybody would teach it would be integrated as part of our culture to family how to build family oral history right and how to support each other through a variety of um you know whether that's like infertility type type things but it's just not the case and you do have to take you know, you have to work to put this together, but it's there, and there are, and I think that there are people, with things like Facebook, people want to be connected. People want to build those support structures, mm-hmm. um, and then you can find it, whether you're here in San Francisco where we have all of these resources and we have a wonderful organization like Our Family Coalition, or you're in, you know, another place where you might think that you're the only queer people couple in that small little town and you might know, be
0: surprised
2: <laughs> you might be surprised and you might just it might be a quick sort of facebook
1: little connection and finding other families nearby even other families to just accept that you're queer and are right, happy right. to you know support yeah. you would yeah. be a, better than feeling all alone right absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. um i want to ask you uh, a question Uh, From this perspective, so as you know, I'm a birth and postpartum doula. I've been doing it for a long time in the Bay Area and and, um, in my earlier life as well, some midwifery work. And um, over the years, I've worked with handfuls of uh, lesbian and gay and other identified uh, families. But from your perspective, Z especially, um, if you... We're looking into the community and thought, gosh, it'd be great to have a birth doula or and or a, a postpartum doula. Our family could really use some care that understands these transitions mm-hmm. from every angle. Um, what would you be saying to upcoming doulas? Say mm-hmm. um, that would be really special if they understood when they come to support your family Mm -hmm. so that you're not explaining yeah (laughs) i mean i i recognize that as i was coming up um you know i was in a situation where every now and then i needed some explaining Mm -hmm. right some you know graciously the families i was working with could give me some perspective on this or that Mm -hmm. right i wasn't a complete dummy you know, and I'm very, very, uh, um, you know, wide open, um, and very much motivated to work, um, with our community in this way, but I still needed some explaining and, and, um, if I could have saved those families, those moments of explanation, mm. I would happily, mm-hmm. you know, if they could just assume that I already knew. Mm. So um, from your vantage point, what are a couple of things that would be just really handy for support people? It doesn't have to be dualist, right? Yeah. But but let's say you're, you're um, non-queer friends or family want to show up and they've said we want to show up and help you Mm -hmm. right like the rest of the podcast addresses a lot of stuff as you may know like how to be helpful and what not to do (laughs) but what would you like to add to that list of do's and don'ts (laughs) um i
2: think I think, you know, sort of thinking about um, if I was thinking about, you know, for the most part, you know, our friends have been our friends are either queer or the ones that are not like have been in the city or been mm-hmm. like around enough queer folks to sort of, you know, how to navigate certain things. But sort of thinking about thinking outside of that, like the if if you weren't if you didn't have a lot of knowledge about um, our communities so or how how would you approach you know, how, how would you or how I would want a person to approach that in terms of supporting our family? Um, I think the you know first would be um, probably, you know, sort of respecting um gender identities, sort of not sort of making assumptions about, who might be the birth mom or who isn't. So mm-hmm. one of the things that happens a lot is, um, I may have given birth to the children, but whenever Jen is holding the children or holding the baby or something, then people and are talking to us, then people assume she is the birth mother. Mm-hmm. Or oftentimes because of the way that we look sort of gender wise, um, I look more feminine, um, and she sort of has more of that sort of stereotypical masculine kind of look. Then people assume I'm the birth mom because of how I'm gendered. And, you know, they, they put us in these um, heteronormative sort of boxes. Mm-hmm. Like you look like this, you're sort of the man role. You like look like this, you're sort of the female role. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, you know, those slight... Assumptions make a big difference mm-hmm. in how somebody may talk to a queer couple. Um, so, like I can imagine, as a postpartum doula, um, they if if you weren't there right before the birth or something like that, mm-hmm. then you might sort of come meet a you know meet a couple and um, make an assumption and address a person. You know, as they some, you know, assuming that person is the birth mother or whatnot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, you know, sort of those little uncomfortable situations, mm-hmm. you know, suck for us. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't feel They're not us. small. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not small for us, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel good. So a lot of people might. Um,
1: I mean, that's just a, yeah. a wonderful. Um, thing for everyone in the world to understand, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. we need, you know, whatever relief it might be in uh, all kinds of differently sort of identified as it were families, Mm -hmm. if we could release some of the tension of what Mm -hmm. strict gender roles are about, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there are queer families where one of the partners is a female to male, Mm -hmm. right? Right? and and they may be fine with being identified as quote unquote the man in the right. relationship mm-hmm. and they might not mm-hmm. like there's why would you assume right. I mean, based on how they look so and and all that can you even assume based right, on right. How, how they look to you, mm-hmm. you right can. there's I mean, so many things about that and yeah. and um in my fantasy world even fairly uh so-called normative identified heterosexual couples like what a relief it could be to any number of men mm-hmm. right to not have their dad role so tightly identified oh, yeah. in terms of how they care for their children
2: yeah mm-hmm. it's very it's so The compl- gender sort of expectations are very strong in our society.
3: Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. around children and around yeah. family building. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when we really notice like gender binary, mm-hmm. gender roles, mm-hmm. and how we start putting that on kids before they're even born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: First question yeah. is always, right? is it a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, well, and we get it even in the queer community. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. a lot of that as well. And the, I think this is being right beyond there's my baby. <laughs> you
1: <Yeah. laughs> made it to me. Well, and I will just say, from the perspective of postpartum care, um, and maybe from the perspective of a twice single mother, I think the assumptions that go along with who needs what and what kind of care and support in families, based on this strict identity of gender roles, is crushing families, mm-hmm. any family of any community and identity. Um, the assumption that you don't do certain things um, because you're the man, right? That you could be doing mm-hmm. and that could be supportive of right. your family. Um, and that all of those jobs land on somebody else because they have breasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can lack like, right. ugh, it's so crushing.
3: And it's just, it's confusing for queer and trans couples um, or queer and trans parents because, um, like, you know, there may be two cisgender, like, women partners, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and one could give birth and then the other one could potentially be lactating and Absolutely. nursing, right? Yes. And so if I you see someone nursing with a kid, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean they're the person who gave birth. And mm-hmm. so, um, I think when we're stepping away or from gender binary, if
1: they didn't give birth, they shouldn't be
3: breastfeeding. Right. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, any number of exactly. possibilities there. Yes. I, it just kind of opens up things for people. Um, I think a lot of people see our family coalition. I know working there, myself, my colleagues, we. Come to our family coalition, we're like, whoa, this really blows things wide open for us mm-hmm. in terms of what's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't think of LGBTQ people as like potentially having families, mm-hmm. um, and that that's like mind blowing for people in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it creates a lot of possibility. And I think one of the reasons is because like we don't do our programming in a gender binary way. Yeah. Um, we can't, it wouldn't work, but also (laughs) um, (laughs)
0: pretty quick. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But also it's, um, it's harmful. It's harmful to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right. It harms cisgender straight people too. Yeah. Um, You know, we've had conversations in our programs about trans dads Mm -hmm. who are, they'll think really heart about whether or not they want to carry like they have the capacity to get Mm -hmm. pregnant Mm -hmm. yeah um but just the way they might be treated by society um hi enzo (laughs) hi enzo (laughs) Um, the way they might get treated by people on the street or even by their their family and friends um it makes them question Mm -hmm. how they would want to approach whether or not they want to be pregnant whether or not they want to have family in that way yeah um and I think that's a shame. I think that that shouldn't be a factor in whether or not people um, decide to
1: become a parent. or Absolutely. Decide to pursue parenthood. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the world would just be so much more fun and interesting. Let's face it. Right. It would be. <laughs> you know, if 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 oh, uh, if what we are con- what we consider normative was so much wider. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm waiting for it. Yeah. And better for kids too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah absolutely I mean, Giving kids the i mean that's the biggest kids learn the best from sort of role models and seeing mm-hmm. the the wide possibilities of yeah. family structures and you know i'm loving i feel really grateful to sort of be in this time period of um history in terms of you know i can i buy all sorts of books and um, I think I went, uh, of that show structure, families, dif- different family structures, mm-hmm. some that look are like ours and some that are even different from ours. Um, anything from having two moms to two dads to single parents and adoptive, you know, family mm-hmm. structures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get to read those books with my kids and they know that it's like a, a you know, they know it's a, it's. Families come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Absolutely, um, yeah. And it's so great to be able to teach them that that yeah. there are there is literature that's that they're reflected in that their their family structures are reflected in um, other family structures are reflected mm-hmm. in. So, you know, i I feel you know, very grateful that we at least you know we're go we're moving in that direction.
1: Yeah i I will say as somebody who would probably be considered a cisgender heterosexual identified woman. I've been a single mom twice. And if I'd known (laughs) that there was a possibility of raising my kids with a queer couple, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would have jumped at it. Mm -hmm. I really would have because I honestly am somebody who uh, doesn't want to be in a in a normative relationship like i i'm not interested in a nuclear family style of doing things it didn't it didn't work for me anyway uh whatever attempt was ever made in that direction wasn't how i could do things and um gosh if the possibilities had been wider i wanted to have kids you know i'm thrilled that i have my two children but they needed better support. Mm-hmm. They deserve better support mm-hmm. than they got.
2: probably needed the support and too.
1: I needed a different kind of support mm-hmm. that wasn't um, defined by a heterosexist society, right. for sure, yeah.
0: you know? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Where everything falls
3: on one one mother who is mm-hmm. supposedly the person who gave birth to these children. Mm-hmm. and um, That you're supposed to do it all on your own, and you're supposed to be completely thrilled about it. Yeah. (laughs) You're supposed to be so happy. Right? (laughs) Nothing's ever wrong because (laughs) this is the epitome of your life.
1: No (laughs) matter what. Right. right? No matter your socioeconomic circumstances. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, as you can tell, like, I'm always thrilled when there's just more resource whatever forms of resource they are for Mm -hmm. whatever kinds of families there can be um I'm so happy to get to hear about it and I'm so thrilled you could come um Z tell us about your offering at community well
2: yeah so I mean part of um my process in this family building was Um, coming to this place where I realized I don't have any, you know, sort of blood relatives around and I needed to build my own family structure here. Um, And so building community became my, (laughs) sort of my thing. Um, You know, I had, like I said, I had such a hard time sort of letting that go and, um, and fight, you know, a lot of crying nights of like, we're going to have to do this all by ourselves. (laughs) Um, And then I only us. laugh
1: because I know what you feel like. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then I was like, no, you know, I sort of kicked into gear and, and just sort of became a, um, just started seeking it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I said, I joined this um, conception group, which was helped us sort of build on our community together. So some of us did, um, uh, got pregnant and have kids like all around in the same the same age. And then some of us, um, so some of us continued our friendships and our kids are friends and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, one of the couples started a group, um, at community well for queer families, cause it, it is a different structure where when you get together with other queer families, there are things that you don't have to, you know, navigate, like, yeah, right. Sort yeah. of explain, and there's a level of comfort um, in being around, you know, other families that, and our kids to see other families that look like our family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very important, and it was, and I, I just so we do a monthly meetup, um, and I ended up taking taking over the the group to run it we do a monthly meetup the first saturday of the month um at community well on ocean avenue um and it's great you know we have new families that show up and it's the small it's you know i hope it's been sort of a model of the older fam the families who have older children can sort of help the new families in terms of oh your baby's doing this like it's okay it's a phase like here you can try you know this or this or this is what really worked with my kid um and I really try to push um families to figure out other families who live in the neighborhood and just continue outside of the one month meetup Mm -hmm. um so in conjunction to that and it's an OFC sponsored we also they all we also have a um queer family hike so sort Mm -hmm. of doing that once a month as well Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I've just sort of connected with other families who are in our group but live in the neighborhood um to just do play dates like my my fam my support system I have now that I sort of really worked to create is so broad now that I can call on other families and we would do things like date night swaps. So mm-hmm. I drop my kid off at their house, you know, one week and the next week they drop their kid and go on a date night, um, and not, you know, have to spend, uh, you know, hundred dollars on a, on a babysitter or something like that. Um, and just simple things like that. Um, mm-hmm. even now, you know, I've been having, struggling with, um, doing the whole two kids thing. Oh Yeah. Um, that's a whole other ball game I didn't realize. And I've been calling on my community a lot. And mm-hmm. um, all in all honesty, I am suffering from postpartum depression this time around, mm-hmm. but I didn't the first time around. Yeah. Um, and my community has been such a huge, huge support in, mm-hmm. in helping helping me feel more grounded and, yeah. and getting through this time period, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, people, friends who are coming over at night to help out. Um or coming over with their kids just so my toddler can have somebody to play with so I can focus on my infant. Mm-hmm. Um those things are huge. They are. Um it's and, really true. Yeah, it's huge and, and and can be created. Yeah. Um just you Hungry?
0: know
2: it's there. <laughs> and people want you know, people want to be in community. They do. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and we know that so much of depression is the antidote is community right is Mm -hmm. is breaking through a sense of isolation and and all of that so good for you good for you i mean there is a there is a way through this yeah right
3: yeah and also it's hard like i think what's a shame is that in our society, individuals have to kind of do that on their own, right? Mm -hmm. Like Z, you had to build that Mm -hmm. in for yourself. Um, And people shouldn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. I I think it's amazing when people do. Um, And one of the things with our family coalition, um, with our family support work, that's the whole point, right? Is we're trying to create more spaces um, for peer support um for building community, for sharing information with each other, whether that's like an outside, you know, quote unquote expert, <laughs> use that term lately, um, coming in and talking about something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out here. Okay. Um or, you know, it's just people who have been through the experience sharing their own wisdom um with people. And so, you know, that's sort of like the basic tenet around family support anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah it's a huge protective factor against things like postpartum depression but against so many other things too mm-hmm. um so yeah our ofc really tries to be there in as many ways as we can um San Francisco, we're actually a first five funded population specific family resource center. Mm, um So that's really cool and really unique. I don't I don't know of another um, LGBTQ family resource center anywhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple other organizations that work sort of on the policy level or maybe the informational educational level around um, LGBTQ family building, but. Um the fact that we do that and we do direct service is pretty unique.
1: That's so great. And how do um, folks find you?
3: People find us in all different ways. So locally, word of mouth is huge. <laughs> um, so word of mouth is big. Um, but also people have found us through googling. Um, we put all of our events up on Meetup.
1: Mm-hmm. People have
3: found us through Meetup, through Facebook, mm-hmm. um, through you know other media, And it's interesting because, um, there's this little gap between, um, maybe like support for the LGBTQ community in general. Right. Um, and people might be involved with organizations or entities that provide that. And then if, and when they decide, okay, I want to start a family, there's this gap around, well, okay, well, what do I do? Where do I go? Who can help me with that? Where do I find this information? And then people feel like they're back at square one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we do get a lot of people just, like, finding us because they needed us. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We do have a website. It's ourfamily.org. So you can Google us. You can type it right in to your Mm -hmm. browser. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we're also connected through some of the other organizations, like you can find us on Family Equality Council's website, I believe, because they have a listing of um, LGBTQ family groups around the country, Oh, I believe. That's um, good to know. Most of them are volunteer-run. Um, family Equality Council, I believe they have a directory of um, mostly volunteer-run LGBTQ family groups. Fantastic. Um, and so you can find us through there, or you can Google us directly. Um, yeah. Family support's huge. It's a big deal. And even if it's just um, for the sake of like, I just need to be around people who are not going to treat me like the token gay Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the group Mm -hmm. or, you know, treat me like I'm strange because um, my family doesn't look like theirs or my family building journey was different than Mm -hmm. theirs was. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: Sounds fantastic. Um, Anything you'd like to add either of you um before we wrap up this has just been so rich and great so thrilled you could join us today but um is there any little tidbits that we missed mm-hmm. so far i think i just
2: i just like to say it's important um for families whether you are you know straight gay somewhere in between but mm-hmm we all know how important support is. Um, And especially if you are a queer family in an area that doesn't seem to have any other queer families that um, we can, you know, I love that technology has gotten to the point where we can connect in a variety of ways. Um, And even just a simple like message board posting or listening to a podcast like this, Finding other people, or you know, finding a group on Facebook, um, can be life changing. Mm-hmm. Can be really life changing. Um, you don't have to feel like you're doing it alone. I think it's mentioned multiple times already. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like there are um, people have gone through this mm-hmm. forever, <laughs> mm-hmm. have built families, and are are trying to make it as a family and be healthy and loving um and there are other people out there who wants to be connected with you
1: Mm -hmm. that's lovely yeah absolutely
3: and i think for for anyone who's listening in the bay area our family coalition is absolutely a resource for you Um, so if you're looking for information for referrals to connect with other lgbtq families um or to get more in-depth support we're here for you um and for anyone who's living in the california area <laughs> um we're here for you too and that we do a lot of statewide policy work um we're working right now on a lot of um fair education act implementation work so helping to um, recommend lgbtq inclusive textbooks for different um grades and different, um, areas of study. Um, we also do lots of policy work, both statewide, local, regional, um, some national. So, um, the work we're doing hopefully will benefit everyone. Um, and so you can always reach out to us if we're not in your area, we could try to connect you with someone or an organization that's closer to you.
1: And I just want to tack on here that, um, I've said often on this podcast that you know this podcast is for everyone. Um, the subject is the fourth trimester, but everyone has who's been born <laughs> experienced the fourth trimester. And everyone who may give birth or be part of a new family is going to experience the fourth trimester, whether you're uh, the birth mother, the partner, the cousin, the grandmother, like there will be a fourth trimester in your life again someday, Um, possibly several. And just as that is true, it's also true that someone you know and love, whether you know it or not, happens also to be queer. Mm -hmm. So... They may have a fourth trimester in their life. They will have had at least one when they were a baby. And they're very likely to have one sometime again. And so we can all learn how to be better with each other, especially during this period of family making. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Um, I hope you share it with all your friends and family. I hope there are things that you'll take forward into your life uh, that you learned about today. And um, thanks so much, my guests, for coming today um, Z Wynn and Jeanette page. Sorry. (laughs) It's one of my favorite names. Um, (laughs) And um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next time on the fourth trimester.
0: Bye.